Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Verse 11, again, we did this one last week. It's, it's basically like a perfect you know, synopsis of what's been going on since chapter 3, starting in verse 7 a quote from Psalm 95. So it says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What was that example of disobedience? The story in Numbers, right? Story in Numbers chapter 13, right? Where uh, the children of Israel are, here's the land, go in there. It's the land flowing with milk and honey. They send in spies, they check it out and they go, whoa, yeah, that really is the land flowing with milk and honey. But there's giants. Joshua and Caleb are like, no big deal. God says it's ours. He says it's ours to possess. Let's do it. The other guys say, absolutely not. We don't want to die. Why are we even here? I wish we were back in slavery and I wish we were getting beaten and all these different things. What is going on? So it was their disobedience that aligned with their lifestyle. They weren't listening to God. They didn't believe God could do it, even though he'd proved to be faithful so many times. So this is the reference to disobedience, okay? So we wanna be diligent to enter that rest, the rest that comes from obedience. But how, and this is like a, a, a nothing rest. The land represented rest, right? Because wilderness, it's, it's not restful. When you're, you're, not, you're not home, it's like vacation, like especially a road trip. You're like, this is fun. I'm gonna need a vacation after this vacation, right? Because you're not, you're like living in weird places and sleeping different, you know, it's just like, uh, I need rest after all this rest. So having a home, that was like the idea. But Jesus is saying, or this author is saying that Jesus gives true rest, real rest. And so we have to be diligent to follow by that. But it's because of disobedience we don't enter in. It's because we don't trust him at his word. That's what we're going to get into right now. So if the word was, was really strong for them, if they had been given this, and they disobeyed that, meaning they heard what was said and they figured something better. This is the garden over and over again. Did God really say? Did God really? And we are so good. All of a sudden we pull out a, you know, the clause and, you know, the contract. And right here, there's a stipulation that I think might mean this. You know, is did God really say? And because their hearts were already turned towards themselves, now you've made a case for, you know what? He's he might be holding out on us. Who is this God anyway? Maybe there's something better for me. Because of that disobedience, they, in, they did not fall in or enter into that rest. They failed to enter. Uh, so we, we've talked a lot about our obedience has to do with the way we live. It's not a, a mental ascent of obedience. We just think things. We live this way. And if we live this way, we're gonna, it, there'll be fruit. Okay, so we recognize the power of the word in this. This is how we live by obedience. These are the words of God. And that's what I really, this is the real emphasis that we really got to get today. That the, that the Bible is the word of God. And it's, it, you can take it to the bank. You know, take it to the bank. How, how are the banks doing anyway, right? So, oh, sorry. 
Do you know what I'm saying though? Do you guys get it? The things that we think are so secure, even we like, anyway, let's go. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lots to look at here, right? We know that faith, faith is an absolutely essential part, right? That's disobedience. Faith means allegiance with God. We follow him. We, we trust him. We align our lives with him because we believe that's faith. Where's faith come from? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where does faith come from? The word of God. We hear, we act, right? If you have children, you find out if they trust you or not by if they do the thing you tell them to do. It's what's so frustrating when they don't. You don't believe me. You thought you knew better, you know? And then you see them slam and you're like, I kind of feel bad for you, but I kind of feel justified too. Like, because I told you. And so now you learn the hard way. Dad was right. You know, anyway. But so, so the word, of, and, and then we also know this, 2 Timothy 3.16, another iconic verse on the power of scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So this is what we're talking about, the word of God, the logos, logos, word of God. It's given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. We just did this a couple months ago, really. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And you know the word complete or perfected is matured. So what does this tell us about the word of God? Does it have kind of a lot of importance, a little bit of importance, or a ton of importance? A lot, right? This is why it's so important to know the word of God, because especially when we're dealing with so many different ideologies in the world, and, and the, the thing I see all the time is people claiming Christianity, but they're twisting the word of God. That's why we actually have to know what it means. And that twisting happens all over the place. Like it, that twisting happens in all kinds of weird settings. So it's, it's, it's everyone is kind of using it and we really need to know what it says. We need to pay close attention so we can obey what's actually being said. Not just the letter, but the spirit behind it. How do you get the spirit behind something? You know how we, do you know how we understand the difference between the letter and the spirit? A conversation with someone in front of you versus a text message. Who in here has gotten in trouble with a text message that you thought was totally chill and cool? Anyone? I, I'm, I am been told I'm a very blunt texter and I've found that to be the case. I remember the Aaron Hale, the pastor I was with before, he says, you need to learn how to use emojis because it just doesn't come off. You're like, just boom. And I, so now I'll tell you what, to be honest, if you ever text me, it's probably, I probably wrote it and then went back and wrote and looked at it and said, oh, say hi first. Oh, you know, um, ask them how they're doing. Oh, because it's just like, oh, hey, did you ever do the thing that you said? And they're like, who is this guy? Do you even care about my soul? I'm like, I'm just getting you information, man. I'm, 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 I'm driving 100 miles an hour on the freeway right now. I can't talk. I'm just kidding, guy. Okay. Don't tell. No, 
But uh, you have to learn like, oh, that is the, the letter. The letter is like, you don't you have no context. But when you're having a conversation with someone, you can actually say something pretty gnarly to them. And if you're saying it with love in your eyes, they, they'll take it. Can I tell you something? This is a mess. Like, I love you and this is, this is not good in your life. This is poisonous. They'll be able to take that. Now imagine a text, dude, you got poison and toxins all over your life. Uh, figure it out, you know, <laughs> or something. Thank you so much for the, you know, great etiquette, text etiquette. I still don't really use emojis as much as, you know, but anyway, you get the idea. That's what it's supposed to show. Hi, hmm, you know, you blew it again. Smiley face. Oh gosh, you know, <laughs> that doesn't help either. Anyway, but that's the idea. The letter versus the spirit. The spirit is, is getting the whole context. That's why we understand the whole Bible. The more we are immersed in it, the more we get the heart and the spirit of God. Because the word of God is living Sit on that for a second. You know, we know this is true. How many times do you hear a message? Maybe this, this text, I've heard this text preached on a thousand times. And then God shows you something new in your life. It happens all the time. We go, whoa, I've never thought about it like that. Or, whoa, God put his finger on something I would never have thought I would have he would have there because the word of God is living. This is why we proclaim it. This is why we spend a good amount of time doing this because it's not just about what I can do or, wow, you're a great speaker. Wow, those were really great points. Wow, dude, did you really light a fire on the stage? Cool. You know, it's like nothing wrong with that in a sense, I guess. But it's like, I think this is the star of the show. Put this up in front. Let the word of God speak. It's living and it's powerful. So the word of God, the logos, is the message of God. So when you hear the word of God, you recognize the message of God. This is the message of God. This is what he wants us to know. He's chosen, God has chosen odd things in some sense. You know the oddest thing? That he's chosen to use people as his representatives. Scandal after scandal, <laughs> mistake after mistake. Failure after failure, God has chosen in his infinite wisdom, in his abounding grace and mercy, he's chosen to use people to show how much he loves us. He's chosen to use fallible jars of clay, dust. Lord, you know my frame. You, you remember that I'm dust. There's, there's, you know, I, I'm, what am I? My life's a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. I mean, how many of you guys still think you're like 25 years old? I think, I still think I am, I think, you know? So the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's cutting in both directions. This is, this is a real weapon in the hand of someone who knows how to handle it. The word of God is living, powerful, and sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword. And what is that, what is it it's sharp to do? piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. Even the division of soul and spirit, what's the difference? This is where you get into the debate of a dichotomy versus a trichotomy, right? How, how, how many parts of us are there? So a, a dichotomy would be like soul and spirit are the same thing and body, body, soul, spirit. Trichotomy, obviously three, 
would be body, soul, spirit. So often soul and spirit kind of like work together. You could see them together. They have like, you know, it, it, they're in some sense, there's some interchangeable elements to it. Uh, but here we see there's a division of soul and spirit. And the word of God is able to cut that and slice that. So what is the difference? I think soul psyche, it's psyche is the, you know, basically what the Greek term is for here, soul. It's the inner man, redeemed or not. This is where we're moved in our soul and in our inner man. We could be moved not, not Christian, like a great musical performance. You know that, that feeling where you're moved? Oh, or, or a really good film, really good movie. I'm moved by this. And it's not, it's not necessarily like the Holy Spirit or Christian, you know, in nature, but you're, you can be moved. But then what's spirit, pneuma? Spirit's different, right? Spirit is, is, is like spiritual life. And it's able to cut between the two. So spirit is always godly. There's always an element to that of what God is doing. So there's soul, one, the inner man, and in there also in the inner man, there's spirit. So we, there's a, a thing going on in there. And now, so this is where things get really tricky, is that a lot of, I think, the church as a whole has gotten used to filling up the soul and neglecting the spirit. We're really good at moving inner man, inner hearts. Whoa, can you feel the emotion of that? You know? Like right when you hit the crescendo, oh, yes. You know? And so that's why, you know, next week when we build up or hit, boom, you're going to see fireworks. And God will move, you know? Like, I'm telling you what, I felt the Holy Spirit. You're like, you felt a, an explosion. Your soul is absolutely moved. I'm not sure if your spirit is. This isn't to sound critical against everything, but, but good speakers know how to move a soul really easily. But for a spirit to be moved, that is a work of God. So it's easy to move a soul. And so that's where it's, you could find people who are really good speakers are able to get, generate a huge following and a huge group that follows and looks at them. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. A gravitas, so to speak, right? Oh, I don't know. No, when they speak, I'm just moved, ah. Well, what do you move towards? And what are you moved by? This, the spirit convicts the heart. It doesn't just wake up. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with the soul. I think there is a good thing about being moved in a soul level, but we really want, don't want to stop there. We want it to be done at a spirit level. What does that? The word of God cuts and slices and dices and gets right to the core of it all. One of the great... Um, advantages to modern science and, and medicine is the ability to make smaller incisions and be a lot more precise. Remember like when they brought, started bringing out like laparoscopic and arthroscopic type surgeries where they like put a couple holes in you and they're able to like do something that would normally be like, let's cut them from the shoulders to the, you know, to the, the leg. And you're like, open it up just in case, you know, huge recovery. So you have a couple of spots where there's incisions and learned how to do it. There's a, a way of learning precision, getting into it with great precision. Beautiful. That's awesome. The word of God does that better than anything else. Able to cut 
between soul and even spirit so we can know the difference. How many people do you think can know the difference? Tell you what, if the word of God is not present, you're gonna have a real hard time. If it's not living inside of you, you're gonna have a real hard time knowing when something's a little bit counterfeit and it's a motivational speech more than God's God moving. And again, motivational speech, dude, I could get into that. I, I, sometimes you need that. Get up, work out, get your stuff together. There was no message. You're like, just get up and go, let's go, you know? You didn't need, no one was opening, cracking open the Bible when we were in the CIF finals for my football team. Let's read from the scriptures. It's like, boys, you know how much this matters. You will always remember this the rest of your lives. You're like, amen, you know? It's like, I'm moved. Let's go, let's go move this mountain, let's go. Let's do this. Push through the pain. I know you're hurt, deal with it. You know, I know you have a concussion, just go out there again. This was the 90s, man. You know what? The best thing for a concussion is another concussion. That'll help you out. So it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces to the division of soul and spirit. Wow. And joints and marrow. It's 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 has pre pre precision, and it has extreme effectiveness if we allow it. Isn't that wild? We have to allow it. We have to believe it. We have to say, what we really have to say no to is ourselves. And as soon as we really say no to ourselves in the little ways of, that we are so good at rationalizing, you know, I got that part of my life figured out. We start saying no to that part of our lives, then all of a sudden God starts slicing and slicing and slicing. Just like a surgeon looking to save us from deadly contaminants, deadly tumors, deadly you know, tissue, stuff that's in there that does not belong. The word of God will, because it's so sharp, it's not like a big hack, blunt force hack, it's slicing and it's getting out the stuff that will hurt for a moment, but will, when you're done, you'll be like, oh my goodness. You know, remember that when you were a kid and you had a splinter and it went way deep? How many of you guys have done those ones, right? I remember I grabbed a law, uh, stick one time and I thought, I'm just gonna throw this stick as hard as I can at that tree. Yeah, you know, this is such a boy thing, maybe like fourth grade. And I threw it as hard as I could, but and then part of the stick stayed with me. And because I threw it so hard, it just went and it went lodged. I remember my dad doing minor surgery in the bathroom, trying to pull that sucker out. And it was very painful. But the end of it all was that as soon as that splinter was out, it was like, because oh. I was considering living with a splinter in my finger the rest of my life. Like, I'll just get married and it'll be there, you know. <laughs> I'll be, it'll be the birth of my first child and I'll pick them up with a splint. You know, I'll have the finger kind of off so I can hold the child. If my finger falls off, so be it. I don't want this splinter out. No, it's when you get to the point where you, as soon as it gets out, it's like instant relief, but we have to allow the process. This is, and, and it's all, remember, here's the context, obedience. Aligning with what God said, faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And the word of God is also this, a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's able to read through our junk and expose us. 
You know, we've talked about this multiple weeks, but you know how good of a defense attorney you are? But the word of God cuts right through all that junk. You have all your reasons and the word of God says, "Mm mm-hmm, cool. No, absolutely not. That is not cool. That is not acceptable. That is not who you are. You've made a great case. You've become really good at convincing everyone else around you that you're right. And that's made you think that I don't see, but I do. The word of God cuts and it discerns the thoughts and the intents. Isn't that interesting? The thoughts, the way we think about things, we can, we can really do a number up there. And, and then it gets to the intents of the heart. Why am I really doing this? I'm trying to hurt someone. I'm not, I, I could say I'm not, but I am. I want to hurt somebody right now. Someone's getting hurt today. So the word of God is able to discern. What a gift, right? Continue on, same idea. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. No creature, no creature is hidden from his sight. Is this reassuring to you or what? You look at the injustice in the world and you go, what do we do with this? No creature is hidden from his sight. Remember, there was uh, someone who's, who called God uh, uh, El Roy, Jehovah El Roy, which was the God who sees. Do you remember who said that? It was Hagar, right? She's, she's out. She feels like she's going to die. Sitting there with Ishmael. She, this is not a situation that she asked for. It was a situation that was thrust upon her. And she said, the God who sees this, this, not, this Gentile woman and a child that should have never been in the sense. And, the, and God meets her there and she says, the God who sees. God sees. He's the God who sees. We see it again and again. Even when the children of Israel are in exile, he's not, he notices He knows what's going on. He's looking. He's always watching. So no creature is hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. What's the first thing Adam and Eve did when they sinned, when they decided to fall out of allegiance with God? What's the first thing they did? They hid and then did what? They were trying to make clothes. Ah, Let's put this, God won't notice they recognize their nakedness and they try to expose it or, or uh, c- conceal it. Is God fooled? Do you think I can't see what's going on here? Do you, do you get it? The idea is that sin makes us want to hide. Amen? It makes us want to hide. It makes us want to get away from everyone around us and isolate. Because you're, you know, where you, you're the only one you have to give account to. But, but so Adam and Eve are exposed by God. And, and his goal is to make them come clean. They actually did okay in that sense. Like, this is what happened. Be honest about it. We've mentioned it many weeks. Where if we're going to walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with him. You know, but we confess our sins. We have say we have no sin. We're a liar. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. The idea is that the light of God exposes us. It just, it completely exposes us. 
and it shows everything that we do not want anyone else to see. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. So we're not doing any good trying to hide out or act like everything's okay. The best thing we could possibly do is go, the one to whom we give account can see everything. I think I need to get right with that guy. I mean, it's only logical, right? But it's, it's more than logical. It's beautiful. And we're going to see in a second, like, this is the kind of God. It is not one that's like, get over here now. Sit. Do you know how bad you are? Say it. I'm bad. You know? Now, you're never going to do anything ever again, but I guess I'll forgive you. Because what Jesus did, the whole thing was his plan. Come and take your sin. Drink the poison in a sense, of all the condemnation and be real before me, become exposed by me and I'll speak into your life and, then, and make you new. You will be forgiven of your sin. You'll be re redeemed for a new purpose and then you'll be able to be in the light without feeling anxious about it because you've been real before God. And you're like, well, we've gone through this many weeks in a row. Is this not something we need to go through every single day in our lives? Because there's a constant... There's a constant draw towards sin and hiding. There's a constant draw towards believing ourselves. There's a constant draw towards thinking, uh, God can't see me when I'm over here. You play hide and seek with a little kid, what do they do? They close their eyes, they don't think you, they can see you. And this is, this is exactly what we're doing with God. If I don't look at you, you can't see me. And he's like, yes, I can. Let's hide. No good. So there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him who must give account. I think that's interesting too. Everyone's going to give account. So all the wickedness you see in the world, don't worry. Don't, God, God will take care of it. And he is able to take care of it. He's faithful. I think we're part of, we, don't, we do not want to uh, allow stuff to happen on our watch, Right? Where if we have an ability to stop something horrible, you do it. You know, like you, you're, you, you're part of God's, you can be used by that. So it's not like we're like, oh, God will judge him, whatever. I think that's, God uses justice systems when they're done well. You know, that, that's a good thing. But at the end of the day, he will judge. So we're going to have a pivot here. So this is the God that sees everything, right? Now, now here's also who he is. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So seeing then that we have a great high priest, what did the high priest do? They were of what line? Levi, who was the, the priest that was the high priest uh, when Aaron, right? Aaron. And I'll also say Moses also had a, he acted as a, as the priest more than Aaron sometimes. <laughs> Remember he was like, he was like, he was the mediator in so many different ways, but the priest served a really important role. A high priest served an important role of dealing with sin in the camp under the, the law that kept Israel blessable and kept God's presence in their midst, right? Through the tabernacle, through the temple, and it's, what's really crazy is like, if you really look at all the imagery, you're like, the, the garden is where God met with mankind. The tabernacle is like a garden. 
It's like the renewed garden in some sense, but just it's missing something, right? Then the temple, which is the permanent building structure, same thing. Look at the imagery. Look at the imagery of everything that's in there. There is a ton of garden-like things. It's like God's restoring, in a sense, the garden to some extent. Then Jesus in the garden is about to go out and do his thing. And then now he is the temple. And then now we are the temple. So we bring the same relationship that was found in the garden. We now live in that inside of ourselves. We are, we are now in a sense restored to the garden state where we can hang out with God again. Already not yet. We're not yet there. We're still dealing with sin. We're still dealing with all that, but we get to bring garden-like peace everywhere we go. We represent God like a temple would, but we have a, we have a priest that's made the way. And here's what's interesting. It says right there, who has passed through the heavens. So we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Why is that important? He's a true mediator. He's able to go from there to here. You need a mediator. That's the idea of an ambassador, right? Someone that, that can speak both languages, a translator. We'd go on mission trips and have translators and you'd speak. You needed them, especially in like Hungary. You're like, it's like the, one of the hardest languages in the world. Has like no similarities to any other language. <laughs> like, good luck learning that one, you know? And then it was funny because you'd, you know, we would learn a few phrases. We go, Hojvaj, this means how are you? And they say, but don't actually say Hojvaj because if you ask someone in Hungarian, how are you? They'll actually tell you and you don't speak Hungarian. So that's the problem, you know? So if we say, hey, how you doing? The people are like, hey, what's up? You know, if, somebody, if you say, how you doing? To someone random, hey, how you doing? They're like, well, let me tell you. You're like, this is not what I meant by how you doing. There, it's a little different. The idea though, is that we have uh, translators that are able to speak both languages. So it's really important that Jesus, to be a great, a real great high priest, to be a true mediator, he would have to be involved in both worlds. And, and he sure was. He, he, he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation. He came in the form of a man, despising the shame. He bore the cross, you know, like he took on the cross. He was suffered and died for our sakes. This was all God's plan. Isn't that cool? He loves us so much. But we needed one that came from heavens to earth. Jesus, the son of God. Let it be clear, he is the son of God. Let it be clear, he is exactly who he said he was. Let us hold fast our confession. So we hold fast our confession. We hold tight or to, to our confession. What's our confession? Jesus is so much greater than the former high priest. He's so much better because he's able to do so much more. Now, look what else we find out about Jesus. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. We don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize. You know, when you... You know when you're dealing with someone that, that's never been where you've been, they don't have a lot of grace for you. They don't have a lot of grace for situations. They don't get the pain, maybe. They don't get the upbringing stuff. They don't get any of that junk. I mean, they don't get it. They just, they, they are like, oh, it's real simple. You're like, 
If you saying it's real simple is like a sign that you don't really know what you're talking about. Because you, you know there's a lot of nuance to what's going on. So Jesus is this, is this high priest that's not one that can't sympathize, but one who can with all of our weaknesses. He gets it. He knows what we're up against. How does he know? He was, he was tempted in all points yet without sin. He was tempted in every single way, but without sin. So you go like, how, and this is like a sticky thing where people go, how was Jesus really tempted like I was? I think, I don't think he was internally tempted in the same way in some sense, because when you give in to sin, it opens up a new door of temptation. I don't think he necessarily had that, that kind of, but I think he had, the external temptation he had was infinitely more than anything else. But the internal, that's on us in a sense, right? That's like part of the idea of giving into the external leads to the internal. And so the external temptation, he dealt with every part that we do. And what did it lead him to do? It's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. That's like the ultimate like tough guy thing to say. Eh, it's not that bad. Even though like, ah, I saw you crying. I remember watching a friend get his chest tattooed by another friend who had just learned how to tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> in a living room. <laughs> We've actually quite a few of those stories. And I just watched this dude tears streaming down his eyes. Just He's like sitting there crying. And it's like, bro, you're barely getting into the line work. You're in so much trouble. It's like, oops. You're hearing oops and, you know. You can hear the gun just getting buried in the, if you never, if you don't know the world, it's like, it goes like, and you hear, and you're like, oh, you just got a bone tattoo, man. Brad, Brad, did you just wince in pain? You know the feeling? Just, that's not ink, that's blood. But you're just sitting there and it's like, afterwards, it's not that bad. It's like, no, no. You were crying, my man, full on crying. So don't act like it wasn't something it was. We don't, and by the way, we're not really helping anyone out when we're acting like that. Just be really and, real and honest. People love sincerity. They love actually in a sense, um, not weakness, but like vulnerability. Don't you like people who are actually like kind of vulnerable in a sense? Not, not if you don't, if, if you don't ever want to be vulnerable, then you probably don't want to be like, but it, it, there's a sense of vulnerability that's human. And you go, man, someone, they, you get what I'm talking about. You know what I'm going through. You get it. So Jesus, after ex experiencing all of this, uh, tempted in every way, and, and when you go through stuff, you have different eyes for people who go through stuff. We, the, we just did an episode that came out with Tori. We were talking about like stuff that was hard in the last couple of years and how it's just given such a better place to be able to minister to people when they are going through hard things, you know, because you have so much grace and you think about things that you would have wanted in that season, how you, how you, how people, or how people did bless you in that season and did help you in that season. So 
we don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. What does that mean? We do have a high priest who can sympathize and has dealt with it all. Verse 16, here's the last verse. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. That we may obtain what? Mercy. And find grace and, uh, to what? In time of need. Do you see? This is the high priest we have. So this is why it's so foolish to run and hide. Right? And this is the reality. We get to come boldly too. That's something that was not allowed before Jesus came and, be, and became the temple. And he tripped everyone out. He says, I'll tell you what, the temple is going to be torn down and then raised back up in three days. And they're like, yeah, right. You know how long it took Solomon to build the temple? Of course, Jesus is talking about his body. So he made a new way and he became the new priest. So then now, now there's access as we as heirs and co-heirs with Christ, now of the same spirit, we have the same, we were able to have the boldness to go before the throne of grace, the throne of grace to find mercy, to obtain mercy. It's waiting for us and to find grace help in time of need. He has everything that we need and he has compassion for what you're going through. The thing that will ruin us is running away from him. I saw a good example and it, uh, it was like the, the, the difference between how we see God. You know, it's like, I messed up. I hope, my, I hope, you know, I hope someone doesn't call my dad. You know, versus a really good, healthy relationship is I messed up. I better call my dad, right? Dad's going to help me out. In the, in the podcast, sorry, sorry. But you're talking about the story, a, a story about getting a ticket at Bible college and being like, dad, I blew it. I got a ticket, whatever. And he says, don't worry. I'm going to pay for it. I got it. Don't worry about the ticket. I'm taking care of it for you. I think that's like the image of like, God's like, don't worry about it. Thank you for coming to me. I love it when my kids come to me with, with struggles and stuff they're really dealing with. You go, oh my gosh, I have all the grace and mercy in the world. But when you're lying to me and you're starting to manipulate me and you're trying to like give me a shadow of what's really going on, that, that's, that's not, that's unsettling, you know? But if you could tell me what's really going on, and a lot of times with tears of really feeling that emotion that shows it in a sense repentance, oh man, I have so much grace. But you know how much more grace God has for us? So we, as, as, as we're called to walk in the light as he is in the light, this is what we're brought into, exposure. And you go, oh, I don't want exposure. Yes, you do. You do want exposure. Because exposure shows you the problems. Exposure shows you what's really going on. Especially because, man, sometimes we know, do I want to know the problem if there's no solution? Maybe not. Ignorance is bliss in that case, right? But if, if, if there is a clear solution and it's a beautiful solution and there's a way to solve this and fix this like right now, take it. Choose it. 
man, come quickly back. Confess quickly. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is what kind of a high priest we have. So if, if the Hebrews who are dealing with persecution are thinking about going back to the way it used to be, absolutely not. There's nothing to go back to. As great as it was for the high priest, we're going to talk about the, high, about the priest a lot in the next you know, sections. As great as, as the high priest was that was able to, to allow God to be in their presence again, what a huge win for the children of Israel. Like being able to be with him and then him fighting on their behalf. Oh, that's awesome. But Jesus is like a thousand times better than that high priest. He's not, not living in the camp. He's living in you. You're now a new creation. Now we come boldly before the throne. We don't have to do all the, you know, little stuff to get there. We just come boldly. Dad. I messed up. I really blew it. He's like, yeah, I know. Thank you for coming to me. I, I have a solution that will blow your mind. I have a path for you that will blow your mind. If you would have kept hiding though, you would have wasted your whole life. And I'll just be waiting. Keep sending things. I'll be waiting. As soon as you choose to open the door, I'm here. I'm right here. Come boldly, come boldly, come often, receive grace and mercy and tell this, make this really clear. Cause I think one of the things with children, it's we, we want them to learn all the stories. We want them to learn all the verses. Of, we want them to learn the 10 commandments and all this and that. And we've got to make sure that they understand that they have a father who is in heaven that loves us. And we have a, a, an advocate. We have a high priest that sympathizes with us and, and to show them how to receive grace and to show them how to receive mercy and to show them how to go to God with our problems. Don't expect them to not make mistakes. They're going to. How do we Usher them into following God and trusting God completely with their life. This, if they get it early, it becomes a habit to where it's like, I blew it. Better call my dad. I need, I need help. Because I sure want my kids to have that relationship with me. I want them to be like, oh, shoot, dad's going to freak out. I want them to be like, dad, I messed up. And be like, okay, yeah, wow, you did. Okay, um, we're gonna figure this out, man, or lady. <laughs> Call my daughter's lady. And that's what God wants us to experience with him. We have such a great high priest. The word of God convicts us of sin. The word of God shows us where we're not in allegiance. The word of God shows us how to be faithful and which direction to go. And, and then when you blow it and, and you've been exposed and you've been shown the stuff that needs to go, but because you've been sliced by it, we immediately go before the throne of grace and we ask for forgiveness and mercy. And he's just waiting to give it to us. Good news. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus came to do. This is good news. How much greater is this than him taking over the Romans and becoming a world power? Oh man, he did so much more than that. He overcame sin and death. And now we are part of the great plan, an advocate, an ambassador of what he's done. And we get to be that in the world. We are now the temple. We are now the garden everywhere we go.
we bring peace. Everywhere we go, we bring the presence of God. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.